Hello, and welcome to Fangraphs Audio, episode 902. We are bringing you a single segment this week, as David Lorla is joined by Detroit Tigers left-hander Daniel Norris. They talk about this strange season, and about Daniel's journey from growing up in Tennessee to living the surfer life when he's not on a major league mound. Daniel also has great things to say about some old friends, including Ron Gardenhire, James McCann, and some rediscovered pitches. But before that, I must remind you that if you're looking for any last-minute holiday gift ideas, I can recommend a Fangraphs.com ad-free subscription. It is the best way to get blazing fast load times, as well as truly help out the website. Now here is David and Daniel. Enjoy the show. Hey, baseball fans, this is David Lorla. My guest on this segment is Detroit Tigers left-hander Daniel Norris. And given how this is the holidays, I should start by wishing you, Daniel, a, uh, a Merry Christmas, an early Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you. Like, likewise, right back to you and, and your family as well. Right, and certainly to your family. I understand that you have traveled home to uh, Tennessee from California for the holidays. Yeah, that's right. I... Uh... Had a long, long day of flying yesterday, but it's good to be home. And it's kind of weird, you know, just with everything going on. I, I can't really, I can see my parents, but not, I can't give them a hug or anything. So it's just, you know, it's kind of a bummer, but it's sort of what we're having to do right now. But it's good to be, good to be home. Yeah, it has been a crazy season, a crazy year for all of us. I understand that you were actually, you had a positive COVID test or maybe more than one this season. Yeah, you're right. I did. It was super, super bizarre. I got it like right before, I would say days before our summer camp started. And then it just, I missed the entire summer camp because although I started feeling better, all my tests kept coming back like positive or inconclusive until, you know, it lasted quite a while. So that was a, that was a very frustrating part of my summer, but I was glad to be able to play baseball in the end, you know. Right. And did you actually get sick? Yeah. You know, I had, I would say I had three or four days of symptoms. I think the first couple of days I was like, I was like, oh, I think it's just a cold, you know? And, and I knew that we were going to have to get tested because I was still down in Florida when spring got shut down. I, I stayed down there and continued training at our facility. And then there was probably five or six of us and someone got it there. And then they were going to tell us, you know, Hey, we got to get tested. And so, like, I knew I had a test coming up, and I felt the symptoms for a couple of days. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to wait until that test. And honestly, by the time I had the day I took that test, it was kind of the first day I started feeling a lot better. And then, you know, a few days go by, we get the results back, and they called me and said that I had COVID. So, yeah, it was kind of weird. And you ended up having a pretty good season, though. Is there anything that you can attribute that to? I know that's a question that most every player gets when they do perform well. Yeah, you know, I think to be honest with you, I would I would say uh, it was more just just uh, staying healthy. You know, this is early in my career that was a task for me, and it was it was hard. I felt like I was always injured and all that. But then 2019, and then also this year, I knock on wood, I was able to stay healthy, and I think it's just a testament to hard work and and finally feeling good on the mound and being able to make adjustments body wise. So I think that helped me a lot in being able to perform on the mound. You just mentioned 2019, Daniel. 
we actually spoke that year, I believe at, I think it was Fenway Park. It may have been Comerica, but we talked about your curveball. And I recall you describing your pitches as being like your friends. Yeah, do, yeah, I remember do you, that. Do you recall that? I do. Yeah, that was at Fenway. I remember that. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little about that, about the idea that your pitches are your quote unquote friends? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, I remember that conversation well. And I think as a pitcher, as a baseball player, you know, in any sense, really, there's such an ebb and flow to, you know, your your game, for lack of a better term. So as a pitcher, you know, our game is our pitches. And as a hitter, it's your swing and your glove kind of. But yeah, so for me as a pitcher, you know, as friends, like you go, you have friends through high school and then whatnot. And Sometimes you lose touch with them, but then you get back, you reach out and you rekindle that friendship. And it's weird, like sometimes, and obviously on a lesser scale, but with baseball and as a pitcher and those pitches, you know, you might, you might kind of like lose touch with that friend for a couple of games, you know, and then um, let's say on a bullpen in between starts, you sort of reach back out to, to one of those pitches and you start working on it and you rekindle that, that friendship or that relationship. And then you, you kind of get it back, you know, and 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 maybe it's just me, but sometimes I think my changeup is my best off-speed pitch, my secondary pitch. And, um, you know, even though it's my best one, there's times where it kind of, I can't really, you know, it's not really there for a couple outings, but then it comes back, you know. So that's sort of what, what I was explaining in that conversation was just that, you know, sometimes those pitches, you just lose the feel for it for a week and a half or so and then it comes back and it's like oh this is so good to you know be back with this, with this pitch or this friend you know so yeah that's kind of what I meant by that right and you threw more changeups this year than at any point in, in your life at least in the big league statistically was that an old friendship that came back strong or was there a new friendship involved in any way if that makes sense no that's that totally makes sense I would say it was an old friendship because you know I, I look back and I've always had, I've always loved my changeup. I've always felt like it's been a great pitch for me, but I, I didn't throw it that much. You know, I threw it, you know, I would say every game, but not, it wasn't my go-to, you know, it was always either my slider or my curveball, or, you know, off of the fastball, obviously. So I would say, so in 2018 is when I had groin surgery and I lost a lot of velocity. I went from, you know, 93 to 96, 97, all the way down to, I remember I was throwing like 86 to 89 just from that surgery. And so I was like, man, like I, I can't really challenge people with my fastball right now just because I've lost so much velocity. And so I really had to, to rely on my off speed. And I had been throwing a lot of sliders and, and I saw all of a sudden that guys were like, one thing that spoke to me was I would throw like a slider down and in, like try and throw a back foot slider, but guys would barrel it and hook it foul, you know? So I was like, man, it's not really biting like it used to. So that's when I really started going to my changeup more just because it would get me out of trouble, you know. And when I saw the success that it could have, even when I was throwing 88, you know, I was like, man, this was this has been a really good pitch for me. And it's it's kept me afloat at least, you know, until I had to miss some time. So then like fast forward to last 2019 and also this year, and I've got, you know, most of that velocity back and I'm like, I want to keep throwing that change up because it helped me a lot. And I felt like I had a lot of confidence in it. And so, yeah, I would say like halfway through 2019, I really started pairing that with, with my refound velocity. And then, 
you know, obviously still throwing sliders, but I loved that changeup, you know, and it was a big pitch for me. And you have both a new manager and a new pitching coach this year. I assume that you've had uh, conversations with, with one or both of them. Yes, I have. Um, probably about a month ago, each of them uh, reached out to me. and we, but Both conversations were lengthy, and it was good, and a lot of details and you know planning and ideas, and that just left me very excited. I've always said I'm, I can't wait for the next season, the day that the previous season ends, you know, and so after talking with them, it it even heightened that it heightened that even more. And I'm I'm super excited. Number one to play for AJ. I've always respected him as a manager. And then also um, with Chris Fetter, everything I've heard and and obviously after our conversation together, I'm 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 very excited to work with him. I think he is extremely locked in and he's hungry to help everybody on the staff. You know. And of course, you played for Ron Gardenhire. Uh, what are your memories of Gardy? Oh, I could talk about Gardy for hours. Number one, as a human, he's one of the best humans I've you know met in in baseball or outside of baseball. You know, I think he's extremely genuine and cares, and I love his old school approach to baseball and and just also life. You know, he's he loves fishing, he loves ice fishing, all that all that good stuff, motorcycles, whatever. Having said that, as a as a manager you could tell that he brought his outside life into the baseball and he was very caring as a manager, always asking how you're doing and how you're feeling. And he was rooting for everybody, obviously as a manager should, but everything with Gardy just felt genuine and, and he was easy to play for, you know, and I appreciate every day I spent with him and, you know, I, I hope he's having a good retirement so far. <laughs> right. And outside interests uh, in mind, Daniel, I've always wondered how a kid from Tennessee ends up uh, being a surfer. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what planted that seed? Yeah, no, I, I feel this question quite often. And I have somehow never heard, heard the answer. <laughs> yeah, so for me, when I was younger, you know, in high school and whatnot, I, I, I grew up in the outdoors. My dad had a bike shop, mountain bike shop, and so I was always in the mountains and enjoying nature and whatnot. But uh, the music I listened to, I listened to a lot of Jack Johnson growing up. I, it was the first album I ever bought. So just the scene of that and his music obviously dealt with a lot of surfing and he made a lot of surf films that I really loved watching growing up. And yeah, so when I got drafted and had, you know, some freedom at 18, I was like, all right, this is it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to learn to surf on my way down to spring training. So I had my old van there and a couple boards and I just started paddling out and learning. And then you know, fast forward 10 years almost, it's been a huge part of my life. You know, it's something that I think about when I'm not thinking about baseball, which is, I think about baseball all day, but surfing is such a fun outlet. And I mean, number one, it's a cross trainer, you know, you have to be in really good paddle shape and balance and, and all that. But other than that, it's just, it's a mesmerizing thing. You know, I, th I remember watching these old surf films and seeing these people, you know, go paddle out into the ocean and ride these massive walls of water, you know, it just seems like something that you're not supposed to do, but then you do it and it's just, it's exhilarating and it, it changed my life, you know, it's something that is timeless, you know, I, I hate to think about this, but baseball isn't forever. Surfing is something that you can do until you're 70, kind of takes hold of you and, and it's in your heart forever. I've, I've always said I've never had a bad day in the water, even if the waves aren't good. So um, it, yeah, it's something that's, it's really dear to my heart. 
And what, Daniel, is a surfing mindset? When, when you're on the board, is it akin to pitching in that you're in the zone and really concentrating? Or is it really more of a thoughtful experience? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a very good question. I would say both. One, where it's very thoughtful and relaxing and peaceful is when you have good waves and there's nobody out there, you know, or maybe it's your buddies out there with you and it's not crowded. The other days where it does compare to baseball is when it's a it's like super good waves and there's 50 people in the water and there's only one takeoff spot on the wave. So you're kind of competing for waves and and trying to out paddle people and and snake those waves. And that that is the competitive part where it's like that's where I think it relates to baseball in a way, you know, and when you're pitching and it's like, all right, I got to get this guy out. When you're surfing on a crowded day, it's like, all right, I got to beat this guy to the spot and, and take off and, and get the wave, you know? Yeah. Which of your Tigers teammates do you think would be a good surfer? Or maybe there already is one. Yeah. He actually just signed in Japan, but Brandon Dixon, he's one of my best friends I've ever met in baseball. And we've actually taken a few uh, taken a few surf trips together. He came out to, I was in Santa Barbara this off season and he and his wife came out and we got, we actually scored. There's a nice swell in town. And he and I, he, he came to training with me, the place I trained for baseball in Santa Barbara. So we'd wake up in the morning and go surf and then go train. And then we'd go back out and surf. And it was super fun. And he's, he's a good surfer. So yeah, I think we'll have a friendship through surfing for a very long time. Yeah. I'm guessing that maybe Miggy probably would be a good surfer because he's good at most everything he tries. Yeah. I, I think Miggy would get good at surfing very quickly. He's a quick learner and I, I could see him being good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James McCann just signed a, a big contract. You know, what can you tell me about uh, working with him as a catcher and also just as a friend in the clubhouse? Totally. He's also one of my best friends I've met in baseball and I'm super happy for him. That contract's amazing, and I think he's going to do a lot of really good things with it. But as a teammate, he's somebody that's always, he, you know, I, I can think of times where he would come up to my locker out of nowhere and and have an idea for me to get better, you know, ways for me to get better. And uh, that stuff kind of sticks with you, you know. And he's one of the friendships that will last a lifetime. And, yeah, I'm obviously very happy for him, but it's very much deserved. That guy works harder than anybody. We were always in the weight room together, pushing each other. And yeah, it's been cool to see his career um, kind of blossom in that sense. Yeah, you mentioned your van a few minutes ago. That's a story I think that a lot of listeners are familiar with that you spent a lot of, I forget the name of your van. Uh, Shaggy. Yeah. Shaggy, yeah. Do you still have Shaggy? I do, yeah, of course. What was your van experience like in terms of, you know, just driving around did you, was that mental time where you just did a lot of thinking? Were you grooving on music? Yeah, I would say a combination of all that. You know, it was a lot of thinking and reading and writing and surfing, really. You know, also training. I, I That was one thing, like when all the van deal came out and everybody's, you know, it was like, oh, you know, whatever. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't miss a, I don't miss a day of training. You know, baseball is the most important thing to me. And, and uh, I always make sure I get my work in and, and meticulously and I work hard and spend hours in the gym but then it's like the rest of the day I'm I'm out there surfing or doing whatever and that was just something I always wanted to do and and had a lot of fun with it and yeah it, it was it was fun <laughs> yeah uh, a few more things Daniel uh, we first met in I believe it was 2013 you were 20 years old and pitching in a ball in the Blue Jays system what do you remember about that time of life 
you know, it seems like a hundred years ago. It really does. It really does. I remember, yeah, that year I was still finding myself, obviously, as a baseball player, as a pitcher. And I remember feeling, you know, young, but I also felt like I look back on those times and I knew, you know, I was kind of finding myself and, and feeling good on the mound at that time. And but I still felt really far away from the big leagues. Having said that, you know, the next year in 2014, I started in uh, high A and then by the end of the year, I was in the big leagues. And that was such a rush of just what's happening, you know, like I, I knew that I was getting better and I felt like I was getting better every time I pitched. But I didn't necessarily expect an opportunity to get to the big leagues. But when that came, it just felt, you know, like, wow, like it's cool to see hard work pay off, you know, in a sense of you're working hard every day, whether it's on the mound or in the weight room. And then all of a sudden you get rewarded with that call up. And that was something that I look back on, you know, I, I was very young mentally, but it was something that I was so driven that I wanted to make it happen. And yeah, it's it's weird to look back on that, but I'm I'm very thankful for it. Yeah, you said at the time, Daniel, that you feel like you were born to play baseball. Oh, yeah, definitely. That stands true, and it'll always stand true to me. You look back as a kid, seeing old photos or whatever, and it's you had a one-track mind, and it was just baseball. And so when you when you have that dream, you develop that dream, whether it's looking at a Chipper Jones poster on your on your wall growing up and saying, I want, I want to be there one day. And then you just, you just chase it. You know, there's a quote I like, it's the fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, but sometimes you just got to go for it. And that's so true with baseball. You know, it seems so far fetched and such a dream, a pipe dream even. And then all of a sudden you get these opportunities and you, you capitalize on them and then, and then there you are. So it's kind of crazy to look back on. Yeah, you're reminding me of a, a lyric from a Yoko Ono song that I think I'm going to butcher here, but it's something akin to don't be afraid to be afraid. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. So one last question, Daniel. What does the rest of your offseason look like besides training? Yeah, so obviously training every day, throwing every day. Yeah, I'm home for the holidays. So as much as I can, trying to spend time with family, whether it's you know, 10 feet away or whatever it is. It's just good to see their face. So, you know, I spent most of the off season in Santa Barbara and got all my training and surfing in there. And, but yeah, just continuing that, that training and getting better and preparing for next year. And is all your Christmas shopping done? Uh, I still got a few more things to pick up. <laughs> Have you picked up anything else, anything for yourself, any big purchases this year? You know, I don't, the only thing I buy for myself these days is surfboards. So, <laughs> I, I got a couple new ones this off season that, that I've had a ton of fun on. So that was my Christmas. <laughs> Great. And on that note, once again, Daniel, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. And hopefully I will see you at a ballpark this year with uh, in a COVID-free world. Yeah, totally. That's what we're hoping for. That was Daniel Norris. I am David Lorela. And thanks for listening to this segment. This has been Fangraphs Audio. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you again to Daniel Norris for joining us. If you're in the giving spirit, consider visiting the store at Fangraphs.com. We not only offer great gifts for your loved ones, but you can help us out at the same time, should you be so inclined. Until next week, thank you for listening, and have a good holiday.